You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 61. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that like cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. All right. Good morning. Good morning. So what's been going on? We should talk about events that are coming up. We have, we're going to be teaching at a number of events this year. We're still confirming with some of them. Um, The ones that are of interest right now are tethered together in Providence, Rhode Island, which will be the weekend after this podcast goes up. St. Patty's Day weekend. Okay, there you go. So tethered together in Providence, Rhode Island. And then we're going to be at the Apex Power Exchange Conference in Denver in October. So super excited. So those two are confirmed. Um, We've got a number of others that we're... In discussion with. Discussion with, yeah. Um, Not everybody's planning that far out. So, But we'll uh, uh, keep you guys updated as more of them become confirmed. Uh, so if you're in the areas, come out, see us in person. We love to talk to people. So that'll be good. What else? Over the weekend, we had a really good scene. We got out to a play party. Yes. Yeah. Trying to get out a little more. We've been too too busy podcasting and stuff lately. So <laughs> it's been impacting on the social life. Yeah. So yeah, we got to go out. Um, and it was awesome because Amanda doesn't take part in scenes very often. Uh, She self-identifies as almost asexual. So we got to uh, explore the space and all that. And I did my whole like scoping of the perfect place to play because that's the thing that I do when I go to play spaces. It's like when I walk in, I like talking with people, but like the very beginning of any kind of play party that I get to, I'm like, don't talk to me. I want to check out the furniture and the places to fuck people. That's what I want to do. So I found the place that I wanted to use and uh, tied Rigel up from like a rafter. So I tied his arms up and did impact play. But then Amanda got frisky and asked if she could come over and toy with him. And I said, sure. And I said, while you're at it, why don't you tie up one of his legs? So We kind of did a little bit of a uh, predicament bondage sort of situation by tying up one of his legs and then having him stand on one leg while doing impact play and then giving him a little rest, bringing that leg down and putting the other one up. So it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that scene. And it was in front of a huge mirror, which was nice. My eyes were closed most of the time, so... Yeah, it was it was nice for me because I got to see your face. But on the other hand, I feel like it gave away the element of surprise in yes, some ways. It did. It very much so. But I think it was pretty sexy. Yeah, and met some cool people and it was uh it was a neat event. But yeah, I think that's mainly it for now, yeah. Yeah, I I mean we're 
we went and hung out with some people, you know, over the last couple of days. We've been getting out and being more social. I think that's been the main main thing. All right. So without further ado, I think we're going to hop into the topic for the day. So Cassie, what is the topic for the day? The topic is sex after kids. Yes. Does it exist? How to make it better? We're we're doing this because these are questions that we get a lot in different contexts. You know, we teach a lot of classes around parenting, being poly and parenting, especially but we, we kinky have yeah we have a class around being a kinky parent and you know also we get a lot of relationship questions sent in and, and through those things we get a lot of questions about what sex looks like after kids and how to how to make sure that you're having it I think and to make sure that you're you know that your kids are not negatively impacting your sex life any more than is necessary yeah and I think that a lot of these questions, they're not actual direct questions. We get direct questions, but a lot of times it starts like, we have, you know, our child and da-da-da-da. And we'd like to know how to be more intimate and be more connected. And when you dig into the question, it's we haven't had sex in three or five weeks. Like it ends up being that it just doesn't happen now that there's kids in the picture. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't feel like most people come and say like, I'm trying to figure out how to have sex with kids in the house. They usually come and say, you know, uh, I'm not feeling connected to my partner. I'm not getting my sexual needs fulfilled. And you dig into it and it winds up having a lot to do with the fact that there are children in the house. And, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people who are not kinky, not poly, You know, they hear about our freaky ass lifestyle and they assume that, you know, we're just heathens. And I think that most of us don't like have families or kids and we're running around and just kind of doing freaky things. I don't know what vanilla people think. Have you ever seen the movie Salem or the TV show Salem? Yes. Picture the witches out in the woods. I think that's having like orgies with the devil. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's what vanilla people think we're doing. Yeah. And and but the truth is a lot of us have kids, right? Especially once you get out of like the TNG aged crowd, so to speak, I suppose. Even the TNG aged crowd has a lot of kids. Yeah. And it's funny, like and this isn't a problem that's obviously linked specifically to kinky people, right? And uh, I'll put in the shadows, there there are a number, you know, it's funny, we we do research for these things a lot of times. Like, you know, this is a topic that we've we've done a lot of working with people on before, but, you know, we're going to sit down and we're going to formally put something together. We're like, all right, it's time to do more research on this topic. And it's really interesting because when you sit down and you look for information on you know, what to do about sex after kids, like how to improve and that kind of thing. There's not a lot of advice. There's more a lot of complaining, Complaining. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Like, but, and there's some truly funny ones. Like there's some, and we'll link to the show notes. There's some great, like, here are pictures of like sex before and after kids. And here, here are the, you know, top 15 tweets or the top 30 tweets that sum up the reality of having sex with kids and some of them are hilarious. You should definitely, if you are a uh, a, a kinky poly person with kids, uh, you should definitely go take a look at some of these. Particularly the BuzzFeed pictures are, are hilarious, I think. Like, I especially like the one where, like, it's like even the little details are changing. Like, before her, her nails are all pretty and afterwards they're all, like, broken and her phone screen is cracked. And 
but there there isn't a ton of of good advice. It's really interesting. It's a lot more like just saying that it does happen and studies and and there's not a lot of advice out there for people. And this is an important topic, right? And here's here's the thing about this, right? And we're going to talk in a minute about why it's important to still have a good sex life with when you have kids. And why that's even questionable, I don't know. Right. So we'll talk about that more in a second. But, you know, the other thing about this is I think a lot of people, most people I think expect, like you have a new baby, there's a decrease in sexual activity for various reasons, and then it it gradually goes back to normal. But the interesting thing is, is that, I mean, there's a little true to that. Obviously, you're not going to, you know, have a screaming infant in the house forever, and that that's going to have more of an effect on your sex life in some ways. But surprisingly enough, you know, a lot of times that thought of like, we're going to, kids going to get a little older and, and not be an infant anymore, and that's going to go away, that turns out not to be the case. Like, a lot of times, uh, I think most of the time, people's sex lives don't go back to what they were before having a kid. And, you know, and this goes along after the point where you can say that these are people who just can't find the time, right? There have been studies that have shown that the people having the least amount of sex, like parent-wise, are actually the parents of teenagers. Which makes no sense to me. Well, it's an interesting thing. But when you think about it, I had to stop and think about it for a little bit when I saw that study too. But in some ways... Not the teenager portion of it, but in some ways that was actually true for us, right? Like the difficulty in making time to have sex when man cub was infant and like sleeping all the time. Which I just think is strange because teenagers kind of do their own thing, but it's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I'll link to that study in the show notes as well. And, you know, I think we do need to be honest about this, which is, you know, it's one of those the first step towards... uh, towards solving a problem is acknowledging that you have a problem, which is having kids in the house does affect your sex life for a a number of reasons. A big one, I think, especially when your kids are younger, like when you have an infant, is exhaustion, right? And like, this is a really, really real problem. And it's, you know, it's not just necessarily the end of being too tired to have sex, right? But there's other things that come along with it. Um, actually, one of my favorite tweets when I was going through all those tweets, not not any useful information in there as far as like actually helping you overcome problems, but one of the ones that I thought was was hilarious from, from this Huffington Post, 29 tweets that sum up the reality of sex after kids is uh, this guy says, since becoming parents, the thing my wife and I do naked most often is to fall asleep while discussing the possibility of having sex, which I thought was pretty funny. But it's not just like being too tired to have sex, right? Because when you have a young kid and you start having like interrupted sleep, when your sleep's being chronically interrupted after like 30 days, you start showing like signs of clinical depression, like pretty much everybody. And you start running into other issues. So it's not just necessarily being too tired to have sex. It's like also I'm irritable and now, you know, my partner's irritable because they're getting woken up all the time. And we're getting into it, you know? So like now maybe we're not just having sex, not just because we're exhausted, but because we're irritable with each other. And now when we do have the the little bit of time, we don't feel like having sex. Yeah. It's that physical exhaustion leads to emotional exhaustion later. Yeah. It was funny for me, you know, when I read that, that stat on uh, the, you know, 30 days of uninterrupted sleep and everybody's like, 
thinking about my career history. And I was kind of like, huh, that's something to think about. By the way, that, yeah, anyways, another another topic for another time, perhaps. Second obvious, one of those really obvious problems is has having less time. Yeah, because you're, when children are little, right, you're you're dealing with diapers and things like that. And as they get older, you are handling the running to and from school or the after school activities, things like that. So you have less time to do things. Time is one of those things that is actually a limited resource. That is something that is factual. So the more things that you have on your plate, the less time you have to spend with your partner and less time you have to have sex. And a lot of times we already don't make sex a priority. So like when we have kids, it even gets like bumped further down the line. Yeah, a couple of these I'm going to mainly just let you talk about uh, because I, you know, as a male body person, haven't had a lot of experience with, but on body image. Yeah, so after pregnancy, depending on how that went, what what, what went on with it, you know, there's women that have C-sections, there's women who their bodies look very different than they did pre-baby. It can be really difficult as far as feeling sexy and pretty and desirable after having children. So um, a lot of us, at some point in our life, our body changes, right? And what I'm saying is like, we all get older, we all like do things, but pregnancy is one of those things where there can be a dramatic change in a very short period of time. So it's not like the, oh, I'm starting to get a wrinkle here or there. It can go from, this is what my body was pre-baby to, oh my gosh, this is something totally different. There was actually a, a thing in Family Guy a long time ago that She's I like, saw. like, I destroyed my beautiful body for this. Like, yeah. yeah. And so I think one thing is that for women is that dramatic change and having to adjust to that can be really, really hard. But aside for that, it's it's that not looking at yourself in the mirror and seeing what you want to see. It's that struggling to feel sexy and, and desirable. Uh, next part is physical pain. So there there was a study done, you know, there have been a number of studies that show that, and this is more like a meta study, like a study of studies, that as many as 62% of women experience painful intercourse seven weeks to three months after giving birth, uh, 45% still six months, 33% still reporting painful intercourse one year to 18 months after giving birth. And, you know, painful sex is not good sex, so you just don't have it. So there can be like changes in sexual preference for some women after having children, things things work differently. You know, it's harder to have orgasms. Sensation can be very different. I know I had a friend who, after giving birth, had a really, really hard time being able to, like, fully orgasm. She was able to, like, get up to almost orgasming, and that was something that was a struggle. And it can also change how stimulation feels to things like breasts and uh, other activities. So it can kind of change... Um, your preference and also your sensation. So that can lead to less sexual activity. Yeah. And so this is all backed up by science. I like the sciences. There is a a study that we'll link to in the show notes by Lisa, who's the mattress maker, which I found interesting. The mattress maker doing a a sex study on 
Yeah. But anyways, um, and I'll link to it in the the show notes because they go into a lot more detail than we're going to hear, like everything from how where people tended to have sex to what activities tended to increase and what activities tended to decrease. But they surveyed 977 parents. And, you know, a couple a couple of the big number takeaways from that was um, that 61 percent of women and 30 percent of men report a decrease in sexual desire before and after kids. I also thought it was super interesting, by the way, the difference in those numbers, like like twice as many women as men, which is completely understandable on the one hand, females obviously carrying the child and stuff and things. But it seems to be like that's probably even more potentially problematic when you have such a larger decrease in like sexual desire on the one part than the other. Like that seems like it would cause even more problems potentially. And then... The couples reported, on average, a 47% decrease in sexual frequency. That's almost half. Like, I think it was, like, something like 17 or 18 times, I don't know, down to, like, 10. It was, there was some, uh, a month, there was, but it was, like, a half decrease, which was kind of shocking to me. So, yeah, I think that there's definitely issues when you have those discrepancies, like you're talking about, like, the 61 versus the 30% of men. And I personally, as soon as I saw that number, was sitting here like, that's because a lot of times in a lot of couples, dude like skips out and doesn't have to do stuff. Like, yes, women have more of the physical necessities and things like that as far as, you know, maybe having difficulties with sex, things like that. But I also think that there is a lot of baby daddy getting away without having to help with stuff. And we'll talk about that a little later. Yes, we will. So let's talk about perhaps Cassie's favorite topic in the world, which is why this is if sex is important and why you should care about fixing this shit. Well, sex is important (laughs) because sex, it's uh, obvious, at least for myself, that sex is fun and enjoyable and is an activity that helps us bond with our partner So with all that, why would you not have sex? Um, (laughs) Like, I, 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 I know that sounds funny, but we get into this headspace of, well, other things are less important or are more important than sex and sex is less important than other things. But when something is a thing in your life that brings you fulfillment, brings fun into your relationships, it is important. Like that is one of the most important things that you can do is things that make your relationship more fulfilling. And for a lot of people, you know, sex is how they connect, right? It's how they feel close to their partner. It's how, you know, to a certain extent, how a lot of people judge fulfillment in their relationships. And you kind of ignore that at your own peril. And you get to, well, you know, but, you know, we're parents, we don't have time for this. You know, there's other more important things. And You know, it's interesting because, A, you should never downplay, I think, the importance of your own relationship with your partner. And I feel like we do that a lot, particularly when there's kids involved. And, uh, you know, it's it's like for the good of the kids. And a lot of times the, the parents' relationships kind of get set aside. Yeah. And the fact is, is that that doesn't help your kids, right? So it's going to sound funny, but you getting laid is good for your children, right? Because for a lot of us, sex decreases stress. It 
makes us and our partners get along better. You know, you have a crappy day with your partner and you're not feeling great, but you guys have sex and you get to bond. You're in a better mood. Your kids actually benefit from you having sex. Like if you walk away from anything with this podcast, your children will be better, more stable little people if you're getting laid. Because it's it's true. You're making a face of me, but it's true. I'm making a face. You know, it is true. I like the way you're saying it, though. So and to put it another way, <laughs> there's a quote, a quote from a, a, a website called Family Lives says, you know, it, it's quite a common idea in our culture that you're somehow selfish to want a sex life after having children. But in fact, having a strong relationship is as much for your child's sake as it is yours. Cassie, how good a human are you? I am a damn good human. No, when you don't have sex. I'm a horrible human. <laughs> it, well, it's true. Like, I'm going to I'm going to cut personal a, story time. Yes, I'm I'm going to cut a personal story in here. So, we talk about man cub occasionally. And man cub was about 9 years old. So, not fully understanding sex. But there was a point where I had to have a surgery done on my urethra. I had a cyst. It sucked. It was awful. But because I had to have the little surgery done, I was not supposed to have sex for six weeks. And not just sex. Any kind of stimulation because it was like on the outer side. So like I wasn't even like I literally asked my doctor, I'm like, how about vibrators? How about fingers? How about this? And I wasn't supposed to use anything down there. First of all, I didn't make it to six weeks, but at about three weeks, while I was angry and um, frustrated with the world. Very difficult to deal with. Yeah. I mean, but when you're, when you're, when you're tensed up, you start getting angry at things like, oh my gosh, why is the sky blue kind of irritable? Like it's, 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 it's true. We all, we all go through that. So I was having a rough time and man cub looked at me and was like, I think you need adult time with daddy. Um, not that he knew what sex was, but he recognized that when me and Rigel went into our room and had our own personal time, when we came out, we were in a better mood. And he had picked up on the fact that we hadn't taken time for ourselves and that I that we weren't interacting. And that Cassie was uh, a difficult human that month. A difficult human. I put it nicely. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll use man cubs words, which is like, mommy, there's something wrong with you. You just not nice. So, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with that, and that was something that was medically necessary, right? And we're talking about not having sex after children simply because we can't find the time and we're not making it a priority. So be a better human and get laid. It will help your children become awesome members of society. And so we're going to go into a bunch of tips here on how you can make this happen uh, in a second. But, you know, first and foremost, I just want to talk about the mindset here, right? And we were just talking about why sex is important. And we're going to give you a number of tips to help you out here. But the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, a lot of this comes down to what you give priority to. I, I have a quote that I like to use for most situations. I use it a lot with our clients when we're talking about things in their relationships, which are, uh, it's a Brian Tracy quote, 
which is, you know, there's never enough time for everything, but there's always enough time for the most important things. So what's important? And, you know, that really is a big part of what we're talking about here. None of the tips that we can give you on how to have better sex after kids are going to work if you aren't making being intimate with your partner a priority. The fact is, is that there is things that are like difficult to overcome, like exhaustion is difficult to deal with. But many of the the so-called reasons that we give for not being intimate in our relationships simply have like easy solutions, right? You're talking about the the, the mindset first. And, and I think that's the hardest thing, that mindset of recognizing that it's important. But a lot of these things, it, it, it's not rocket science to solve a lot of the issues that we have and obstacles when we have children. When we've talked to people about this before, you've used the word excuses a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of times excuses because it is easier to not come up with solutions to these things, easier in not having to deal with it than it is to actually try. I am not a big Dr. Phil fan. That is not somebody who I would typically quote, but I do have to give credit where credit's due. A while back, he was talking with couples about being intimate, right, on his on his show. And the thing that he said was, what kind of excuses are you making? If it's your daughter is going to walk in, put a cowbell on her, right? And so here's the thing. I that's don't not one of our tips. That's not one of our tips. That is not something that I would recommend. There is actually easier solutions than that. But seriously, like if you are terrified that your kid's going to walk into a room, there's solutions to that. If you're afraid that your baby's going to wake up in the middle of sex, there is solutions to that. And guys, we have it good. We have modern technology. Like we've got it much better than like our grandparents did. So if they could work it out, we can. And some of this comes down to guys, you have to remember sex is one of those things that when you're having it, generally for most of us, most of us want to have more of it. So some of this is even if you're maybe it's it's sex is something you haven't been making a priority for a while. And, you know, because of that, you're kind of a little meh about the whole thing. It's important to realize that sex is important. It's important to your relationships. It's important to feeling fulfilled and happy and that the reason you might feel kind of mad about it is because you haven't been making the priority to make it happen. But that, you know, taking that step and actually starting to do that regardless, once you're on that path, it's something that you're going to be like, oh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I remember how great sex was. I remember how great sex is. I want to do more of this. So with that in mind, we're going to give you eight tips for having better sex after kids. So the first tip. And this is something that we end up talking to our clients a lot about, which is scheduling intimacy time. Yeah. You know, one thing that um, I've got another image of one of those uh, BuzzFeed, like before kids and after kids calendar again. You guys really, if you have a couple minutes to burn with useless stuff, look at the BuzzFeed pictures. (laughs) They're hilarious. But, you know, the thing is, we talked about time earlier, and time is is a very real thing. But for most of us, it's not that we can't find time to have sex, right? It's that before uh, we have children, we don't really need to plan it that much, right? We have more free time, and we're able to just kind of let sex fall where it falls. But after we have kids, we have to be a lot more intentional 
about making the time to connect. It's not that we can't find it. It's that we have to be more intentional about it. And we need to be more intentional about taking time to connect intimately with our partner. And sometimes that means scheduling sex. And sometimes that means scheduling not sex. So you want to schedule sex. And I know for a lot of folks, that does not sound incredibly sexy. But you know what is more not sexy than not scheduling sex? Not having sex at all. Yeah, one of uh, our favorite joint movies is Mr. and Mrs. Smith, partially because I think Cassie wants to bang. Angelina Jolie, yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah, mm. Cassie, Cassie wants to bang Angelina Jolie. And I'm with that. But, you know, what, there, there's this hilarious part of it. Is it in, wait, is it in that movie? Or am I thinking yes. of like another commercial? It's in that movie? It's in the movie. Yeah. It is in the beginning of... Mr. and Mrs. Smith. When they're having a, like, their relationship's kind of crummy and they're, like, in bed and they they kind of start getting frisky and they're like, we should have sex. Tomorrow. No, on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Yeah. And, 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 and it, it goes through this whole thing where and, it's uh, very scheduled. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, dear God, if that's ever me, shoot me. But, you know, one thing that as life has gone on is I've really actually come to appreciate the value of scheduling sex. Yeah, because the thing is, is that when we don't schedule things, they don't happen. And this is not necessarily just like a kid issue, right? This can be just a life issue. But when we don't schedule stuff, we don't make it happen. So setting aside time for sex, just like anything else that's important, is something you need to do. Yeah. And, you know, when you're talking about scheduling that, you want to make sure that you're not leaving it for the end of the day. You know, because it's super easy to be like, yes, we'll have sex at 10 p.m. after we both worked all day and dealt with the kids all day. And then by the time that rolls around, we're back to the exhaustion issue, right? You're too tired to actually get it done. And this is how I said that mindset of, of priority kind of plays into everything. If you recognize that sex is important, which hopefully you have by now, you need to give it a position in your schedule to where it might actually happen. Yeah, and if you're waiting until the point of being completely exhausted, you've ripped your hair out all evening dealing with the kids, doing homework, doing dinner, et cetera, et cetera, and then you try to have sex at the end of the night, it's probably not going to happen. Going back to, you know, the, the thing that you were talking about as far as that image of someone saying, you know, the thing that me and my wife do or, you know, sit on the couch and talk about things and fall asleep having, you know, fall, fall asleep talking about sex. The thing is, is that scheduling it out is super important and doing it at times where you're going to be energetic, where you're going to be able to have fun and take your time and, and do that. And super bonus points if some of these times, uh, it's definitely not something you need to do all of the time. That's kind of the, a lot of the purpose of this, this podcast is to give you tips on this. But um, some of the times, if you can get a sitter or get the kids out of the house, Hooray. Like, that's a good thing to try and do. Like, try and have some scheduled times. And, you know, and this is something that the need doesn't ever really go away for, right? Like, it's still good no matter how long you've had kids in the house or how good you are at having sex, even though you have kids, because I consider us pretty good at that. It still is nice to get the kids out and be able to dedicate an evening, like, just to play with no, like, okay, so he's gonna have to make dinner and then so he's gonna have to pick the kid up and take him to activities. And I mean, it's, it's useful to do those things. And another suggestion guys too, with this is schedule time that isn't 
sex, right? Because part of this whole exhaustion thing becomes people's lives can get so wrapped up around kids that, uh, you know, it comes time and you finally have some time available for sex, but you and your spouse haven't talked about anything that is not kid related for like two weeks, right? You haven't had any you time. And for a lot of people that intimate, non-sexual, like, you know, time to talk and connect with your partner is necessary for them to feel sexy. I will say not everybody, but I think most people. For me, I tend to need like, not just like hopping into just sex time, not saying I can't, um, because I do quite often, but you know, especially after like a very long week, things like that, I need some of that, like just connective time. Yeah. So try and try and also schedule some date nights. And, you know, even if you can't do that, at least take some time regularly out of your schedule to talk to your partner about not kids, right? Like talk about some other life things that do not involve the children. Second step, second tip, but I feel like this is one of those things that it seems the most obvious thing in the world, but it is life changing for people is lock your damn bedroom door. Oh. This is one of our biggest suggestions to people, guys, and it, it astounds me that we, you know, like this is not something that people do regularly. Um, you know, that that Lisa study I was talking about earlier, 15 percent of parents have had a kid walk in on them during sex. And this is one of those things that has a super easy solution, right? The number one thing you can do to improve your sex life when you share your home with kids or even with other adults is to get a lock for your door. Yeah, and everybody deserves to be able to have a private place. Like, And I think that it's interesting, right? Because you talk to folks who have roommates, right? And they have locks on their doors, most of them. You talk to parents and they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I have the kids, this, that, and the other. It's okay for you to have your own private space. It's okay for you to be able to lock something off and say, this is my area and I'm taking time for myself. Yeah, spend the 10 bucks, go to Home Depot, get a latch for your door, right? And, and, and it's not even an excuse if you're renting. Like swap the doorknob out with a doorknob that locks and swap it back when you leave. Like there is literally no reason your kids walking in on you in the middle of you having sex should even be an issue. Now, listen, I'm not saying accidents don't happen. People don't forget to lock the doors. We're going to talk a little bit about some steps you can take with that in a second. But seriously... Lock your damn door. And the thing is, it is perfectly okay to tell your kids that if your door is locked, to knock. Like, and it's actually like good demeanor, right? Like closed bathrooms with locked doors or closed bedroom doors means do not enter without knocking. So having that in place is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, there's no reason not to start teaching your kids the meaning of privacy at a younger age, right? And this is this is kind of an atmosphere that you can cultivate in the house. Like Cassie said, if there's a closed bedroom door, we don't come in without knocking. If there's a closed bathroom door, we don't come in without knocking. And this is something that you can partially cultivate by doing it in return as well, right? Once your kids get to a certain age. And, you know, once that habit is established, it will allow you to avoid unexpected interruptions because, you know, even if you forgot to lock that door, the kid's going to knock instead of just walking in. Right. So these are these are things that we 
can be teaching our kids to do. And this is a good life skill as well. We actually take it a step further in our house. Yeah. So from like at the point where like children are no longer like in bassinet area, like like age area, we have children sleep in their own rooms. They have their own spaces and children do not come into our room. And that's like an into our room rule, yeah. right? Like children do not come in the adult room. And this is – and before you're like, well, that's just, you know, something that you're able to do because you raised your kid with that from a young age. This is a rule that we have enforced with all of our partner's children who are in our house as well. Yeah, partners who had children who were 6 to 10 years old to teenage ages that started dating at that point where their children were that age with us. That's just our rule. You don't come in the room. If the door's closed, you don't knock unless it's... <laughs> and, unless you need something, right? Like you knock on the door if you actually really need something versus I'm coming and knocking on the door just to tell you that I did well playing Xbox. Because if we didn't have that rule, our kid would do that. He, he would knock on our door to be like, hey. He still forgets and tries sometimes. Occasionally. I just got the Easter egg in yeah. Black um, Ops. Zombies and- something. Zombies. So like, you know, knocking on our door is like, I really do need something. There is something important, not just, hey, um, I'm trying to conversate with you. Yeah. And I'm not saying certainly that's something you guys have to do, right? We, we do that for two reasons. One, it reinforces that kids not accidentally walking into the room thing. And second, we can't put our stuff away. We have too much stuff yeah, our in our room. Room has lots of Furniture, some and furniture and large things and, yeah. that just can't disappear. So, so you certainly don't have to do that, right? That's a personal preference. But definitely teach your kids the meaning of privacy. Teach them that a, a closed bedroom door, a closed bathroom door means you lock, lock, you knock before you enter, which will help with if you forget to lock the door, which you should be doing. All right. Our fourth tip is activate stealth mode. Yes. And what does that mean? That means, look, let's be honest. What's what's one of the number one reasons that people don't like to have sex when their kids are in the house? It's they're, noise. They're afraid yeah. they'll hear it. It's noise, right? It's, you know, okay, you're in your room, you've locked the door, but you're worried about noise. One of the uh, things that I found really interesting about that Lisa study is, you know, they asked them like, well, and I forget exactly how it's phrased. I think it's something along the lines of where do you have sex? But one of the options for an answer was like, quietly as possible and something like that and it was or or it was how do you make sex happen and the answer was like as quietly as possible and that's understandable right like you don't necessarily want your kids to be hearing what you're doing all your freaky shit yeah get that okay but so practically how can you do that and still have sex without booting your kids out of the house all the time So the first thing is this, and not all of you are going to be able to do this. It's not something that every house or apartment structure allows for. But if you can, don't put your bedroom right next to your kid's bedroom. So maybe you have, you know, a room upstairs or whatever. Put your room as far away from your child's bedroom as you can. And listen, guys, we, we realize this is really specific to your housing situation, right? But we're mentioning it because if you can, it is a super helpful thing. Our house currently, one of the benefits is that our bedroom is kind of uh, due to how the house was built, its own like little, it's off its own little hall and it's not wall adjoining. But, you know, if you have the option in your house, maybe you have a guest bedroom or you have an office or 
you know, you have a basement where you have the option to locate your bedroom. Obviously, not sharing a wall with your kid is a great idea if it's at all possible, right? Because there is only so much you can do on a noise front if you've got like, you know, one shoddy, non-insulated drywall wall (laughs) in between you and your kid's bedroom. If you can, that is a useful thing to do. But if not, there are still some other things you can do. Yeah. So first off, when we talk about hearing sex, it a lot of times has to do with not necessarily even the sexy noises, but the squeaks and things like that. So fix your furniture, guys. Like if you have the squeaky headboard and you know every time you thrust, it goes, er, 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 fix it. Like tighten your frame, take the time to, to, to fix the, the screws. Or if it's something that is just, you know, broken, get rid of it and get something new, right? So fix your shit. If you're bumping the wall, maybe scoot the bed a couple inches away from the wall if you're getting that whoomph, 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 yeah. you know? Or put something that's a buffer between it, right? Like if you're having sex and your bed's bumping the wall and it really, you know, you can't move it away or it keeps sliding back, put a buffer, put like a blanket up against the wall and in between your thing. If you're really, really cannot solve any of these problems, like pull your mattress off your bed, put it on the floor. Yeah. And actually going along with that, guys, like you can be flexible about where you have sex, right? So let's say that you do share a bedroom, a wall with your kid. Okay. Well, so we have um, a situation currently where we can't always have sex in our bedroom. And this isn't a kid issue. This is because we have a partner who goes to bed much earlier than we do. And unfortunately, you know, we're looking at some point to move and hopefully an ideal situation would be to have like a separate play space. But currently our main play space is our bedroom, like it is for most people. But sometimes our partner needs to go to sleep. Cassie and I tend to stay up later because we don't get have to get up as early. And that a lot of times tends to be... The living room. The living room becomes our play space. Yes. And so we have a lock on the living room door that can be used to lock the living room from the rest of the house. And there you go. So be flexible, guys. Like... You can have another room like, you know, like if your kids goes to bed and you, you know, like your bedroom's adjoining, you can go to the living room or to the basement or still, you know, do something like get a lock for the door of that room. Hooray. Right. You can have sex in the shower. There are options, people. There are options here. Speaking of options. Yeah. You can also, you know, don't get stuck, you know, before we move on. You're talking about actual areas, but like. Even if you're having sex in your room, don't get stuck on this idea that you have to have sex in your bed. Because why? Yeah, you don't have to. Like, if that that bed is squeaky or noisy or thumping the wall, like, stand up and have sex. Use the chair that you have, like, over in the corner that you never used for anything but throwing stuff on. Yeah, the ottoman. Sometimes great for cowgirl. Yes. I love my ottoman, (laughs) but that's a different story. So what I'm saying is, is be willing to change up your positions and do things as well. If, you know, you're, if, if you're having sex in your bedroom, but the bed is a bad idea, don't get stuck on the bed. Your favorite way to deal with some of this. Yeah. So that's, that's the furniture. So what about when the loud is your partner, right? Cause as I said, there's kind of two, two things. There's the, the, the furniture that's something and making noises. And then there's the partner. So right? you tell them, if you make another noise, bitch, I'll fucking cut you. 
That's an option. I mean, you can depends make on that, your partner. that depends on your partner. Um, <laughs> you guys should have had a negotiation around that. I mean, I would do that with some of my partners and they would love it. Another thing I was going to say <laughs> Take is... Take a minute, Cassie. You look a little um, flustered now. <laughs> it's like, that's hot. You know, another another thing that you can do is if your partner is really loud, especially like if you're doing very rough sex, things like that, use a ball gag. Like get a sock well, some or... some kind of gag, yeah. Some kind of gag. You know, get a ball gag, get a, get a sock, get... Panties, um, get Panties, whatever. Tape, get, shove, shove something in the person who is loud's mouth. That's really what's important. Sometimes a cock. That that can help, but it depends on what you're doing. Because if you're doing something and you're loud because of that activity, then the cock moving from one area to the other can be difficult. That's a lot of strategy. Not necessarily always a cock, but whatever the factor, put something in loud person's mouth. Like it's sexy, it's hot, um, and it saves you the time of trying to uh, muffle your partner during sex and not being able to uh, do the things you want to do. And as a practical matter, if you are a more toppy person or somebody who maybe does not like being gagged, put your face in a pillow. I mean, yeah, options. I mean, I'm I am a toppy person and I still put my face in pillows like uh, other option is instead of trying to and or trying to quiet the noise is to cover the noise. Right. So this is where music is good. Have a sexy playlist that you like, have a few, have one for scening and one for more passionate sex or whatever, but put on some music. We now have the echoes and we can yell at echo to put on various playlists and echo is good at filling the space with noise. And yeah, granted, once your kid's a teenager, they know what that means, but whatever, they're still not hearing the noises from the bedroom. So yeah. And, you know, there's other things you can do putting the shower on. Yeah, your water bill might go up a little bit, but it's worth it. It's amazing. Shower shower water actually muffles a lot because it kind of works almost like white noise, but like a heavier white noise. Maybe you don't have the advantage of music. I think music helps a lot, but also running the shower. Um, it really drowns out a lot of noise. And speaking of the shower, if you have a really hard you know, house with a hard noise situation. We were talking about other places to fuck. Fuck in the bathroom. Fuck in the shower. Like, these are good places to fuck. You can merge some of these ideas together, guys. Yeah. All right. So the fifth tip, and this this has more to do with, yeah, having more sex than, than strategies about how to have it. But make the effort to look sexy. So here's the thing. When we are super busy, we're super stressed out because of kids, it's really easy to end up being the um, the stereotypical soccer mom who's in the yoga pants and the floppy shirt, right? So it's important to make yourself appealing to your partner, right? But even more so than that, it's important to make yourself feel sexy. When we don't make the effort to make ourselves look sexy and feel sexy, we don't cultivate that sort of like sexy interaction with our partner. It's one of those, if you feel frumpy, you're not going to want to fuck. I mean, that that really is, it's as much for yourself as for your partner. So, you know, this is part of it. You're, you need to take the effort to do that. In episode 055, what is it called? Dress uh, to Impress, dress to impress. with impress. Christine Malsberry. Yeah. Christine was talking about the fact that dressing for intimacy or dressing for romance 
is all about doing that for yourself, right? Like making yourself feel sexy for you because then that puts that like energy out there of sexiness to your partners. Yeah. So do that. Uh, sixth tip, uh, lock up your adult gear, right? Like one one of the, the most popular places for people to hide their sex toys is the drawer of a nightstand or a dresser. Or the drawer under the bed. I wish your facial expressions would come across in this podcast. So guys, this is one of those things where I have to roll my eyes because you've got little people. Little people are little. They are low to the ground. They're small. And where are you putting your toys? You're putting them in the drawers that are right at the height for them to pull them open. Yeah. So guys, don't do that, right? That's like one of the worst places you can hide your sex toys. It's a perfect place for little hands to get into. It's also, by the way, once your kids get older or if you have other adults in the house, the first place adults will look for your dirty shit or older kids, right? It's super obvious. Um, Don't do that. Invest in a lockable box of some kind. You can you can get a, a specially designed box from an adult novelty toy store. And, you know, for your information used to be the big one. I actually don't know if there are how many like specialty adult, you know, toy cases there are now that FYN shut down. But I also don't care because honestly, that's an expensive way to go about that anyways. Like go out and purchase a lockable box that's designed for like cosmetics or firearms, right? We have... Our, our main carry case right now for some of our BDSM toys is a rifle case. Go out to Dick's or a cosmetics store, get a lockable box, lock your shit up, right? And then take your lockable shit and, you know, put it up out of little hands reach, right? So anything else on that? No, it's just get a box that can be locked and put it away in a spot where little people aren't going to get to because the side of your bed, under your bed, the drawers that are at eye Eye level with your toddler is just asking for your toddler to and go right inside of it. Then you run into those commercials where like the kids are running around using your dildos as lightsabers <laughs> while your neighbors are outside. I'm going to have to find that video again. Uh, seventh point, take ownership of your devices. Guys, listen, our, our devices are where a lot of our sexy activity happens these days, whether it's looking at porn or sexting your baby, sexting your baby, really, or getting like, yeah, sexting your baby or wow. Yeah. Or taking dirty pictures of yourself or getting your, you know, your dom sending you dirty things to do or even, you know, finding partners. This is where a lot of our sexy activity takes place now. Yeah. So it's important for your phone to be your phone, right? And the first time when I say this, people respond to this by saying, well, you know, but it's, I've got to let my kid play whatever, whatever kids play. play on the game on the phone. Um, Tetris on my phone or, <clears throat> you know, my, my, my kid needs to do this or my kid needs to do that. And the answer is probably not, right? <laughs> like, first of all, if, if your kid is... At teenager level, let's just face it, most of our kids already have their own cell phones. Why the hell are they in your cell phone? Teach them to charge their own cell phone. If they're younger, you know, we'll get into a little bit about, you know, that. But why is your phone the source of, like, their entertainment? Like, there's other things that you can give your kids. Right. And this, this guys, this really gets, this is a, a personal thing, right? Like, this is a, a mindset thing. This is... 
why don't you think of your phone as a personal item? In a lot of ways, your phone is the most personal item you have. There are things in your phone that are probably a lot more embarrassing than your kid finding your sex toys, right? So, you know, this is a place you have conversations with your lovers, your friends, like I said, where you have your dirty selfies, where you, and and the answer is not don't do these things, right? You shouldn't not be communicating with your partner and sending them cute nothings because you have a kid. You need to foster the mindset in you and in your children that, your phone is a personal item. You know, our kid is old enough now to the point where the conversation is uh, you don't want to go on people's phone or even look over their shoulder while they're on the phone <laughs> because there's stuff in the phones that you don't want to see. And yeah, and the one time they find that out will be the last time they go in your phone. Right, Cassie? Yes. Uh, <laughs> man cub at one point, uh, you know, Tested the waters of, of using my phone because he didn't want to go grab his own. He watched over your shoulder and saw your passcode. and Yep. Uh, and uh, ended up using my phone. And uh, the first picture that came up was not a picture that he wanted to see. And it wasn't even that bad. It wasn't even that bad of a picture. Um, but he did not want to see, you know, mom making sexy googly eyes at dad. Yeah. So listen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, guys. And, and it's not just your privacy that's at stake here, right? You probably almost certainly have met private messages and pictures from other people that really aren't yours to disclose. So you need to foster that idea that this is your phone. And listen, you know, it's Cassie had the whole, you know, conversation about, well, how do I entertain the kid? Listen, there are besides the fact that your your house probably has like at least one TV in it. There are very, very, you know, tablets are super cheap now. Right. And. I'm not saying we all have the financial resources to do that, but I'm saying if you do, it's better to get your kid a, a $60 Kindle than to have the risk of letting them use your device and run into something that they shouldn't be seeing. But let's move on beyond that, right? And and like I said, we're not just talking, we're not just talking about phones here, um, although phones are, are the really obvious place that a lot of this stuff exists, but we're talking about tablets that might be shared. We're talking about laptops and computers that might be shared. And with those cases, right, we don't always all have our own devices. So a couple of other things that you can do. First off, Android products, Apple products, they all pretty much now, there are apps that you can use to separately lock your gallery so that somebody can use your phone but not get into your photos. So that's something to think about. Um, but beyond that, guys, most pretty much every every platform that I'm aware of now, whether it's for a laptop, for a tablet, um, you can set your own profiles on these things and have your own apps, your own pictures, your own browser and browser history. Hell, you can do it on Netflix. You can, like, <laughs> well, yeah, you can do it on Netflix. But guys, so do that. Take the time, set your own separate profile, set a profile up for your kids and set a password. And I like to give people password advice. And the password advice I like to give people is really simple. Um, number one, actually set a password. That is the biggest one. Number two, your password should not be something easy to guess. So not your kids' names, not your birthday, not your anniversary, um, not password, not love, you know, and your kids should know your passwords, right? So Make pro take the time, make those separate profiles and start treating your devices or at least your profiles and your accounts as personal items. Tip number eight, Cassie. Get some exercise. When we have kids, 
Sex is not necessarily the only thing that we slack on doing. We slack on taking care of ourselves. And we talked about being, uh, you know, making sure that you're dressing sexy and doing things like that. But this is another one of those taking care of yourself so that way sex happens things, right? If you exercise, you take care of your body, you're going to feel better about yourself. That can help with some of that body image stuff, but also it can help you just increase your energy, right? Increase. um, And we talked about exhaustion, guys. Increasing your energy is not something to sneeze at. So all of these things kind of piggyback on each other. And we talk about, you know, increase in stress because of kids. Well, exercising helps you decrease stress. So making sure that you are taking advantage of some time to work out and do things that's good for your body can can do a lot for you. Yeah, guys. And, you know, this you can't underestimate. This is one of those when you take care of yourself, you have more to give kind of things. Right. So this is definitely something uh, exercise is definitely something for a number of reasons to make sure that you're taking the time to do. But the fact of the matter is taking time to exercise will improve your sex life and it will improve your sex life for a number of reasons. I don't think we're going to beat that one too much, but also couldn't get by without mentioning it because it is definitely one of those important things. So number nine is is something that I don't want to say surprised me. The fact that there have been studies around it surprised me. And the studies say that one of the predictors of good sex with parents is how evenly the childcare duties are divided. Yeah. So this gets back to your point from earlier. Yeah, this gets back to my point from earlier, is that there is a lot of people who slack on helping with childcare. It's this idea that changing diapers, uh, dealing with you know, feeding the kid or whatever is the mom's job, right? It's this idea that, well, it's 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 your job to do that and it's just my job to come home. But in reality, you know, when you have partners where both of you are working, because in today's society, there's 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 a lot of moms who are working. So both of you are working all day and you come home, but then the kid is the mom's job right? So these things end up being the mom's things to take care of. And of course, she's exhausted. Of course, she's tired because you're talking about being tired just from working, but you're also not chipping in. So when I'm saying you, I'm talking to you dads out there who say, uh, I'm not changing the diapers. I'm not giving the baby the bath. Guess what? You're making yourself not get laid. Yeah. And it's one of those things that really Makes sense when you think about it, right? Both from a perspective of when we feel our partners aren't chipping in and pulling their weight, that's unsexy. And also from talking about the energy perspective, which is, yeah, obviously, if one partner's taking on all the burden, they're going to be more exhausted. They're going to have less time and sex is going to happen less. So it may not be the first thing that you think of when you're talking about how to ensure that you're having a better sex life after kids, but you need to make sure that the childcare is being divided in a more equitable fashion. And our last tip, our 10th tip for how to have better sex after kids is be willing to try other activities, right? You know, we, we talked earlier about how there can be physical pain after childbirth, about how preferences can change. And these can be, you know, either from orgasms or stimulation feeling different to 
body image, right? Like wanting to do different activities because of body image, like all these things, people's preferences can change. And if you're just stuck on this PIV thing or, you know, having sex, I think more importantly, having sex the same old way that you've been having it before, say same old. I mean, you might have been having great sex before. That's not really the point, but sticking to the routine that you were in before, that may not be serving you well. Yeah. You want to make sure that you're being flexible and are willing to try new things. And guys, trying new things is a good thing, regardless of all of this stuff. So be willing to try new activities, things like that, and give your partner, you know, the opportunity to have physical fun intimacy with you, regardless of it not necessarily being exactly the same way it was. Yeah, guys, listen, kudos to kinky poly folks. I think as a general rule, we're better than the general population with thinking that PIV is all there is to sex. But I do think it's important to have that awareness, right? That uh, if you're with your partner before kids and after kids, that that stuff may change and you may need to be flexible. And I think that just being aware of that and open to that possibility and the reasons for why that might exist are good and beneficial and something that you should do. So as Cassie said, be flexible with this, right? All right, guys. So we went through all the tips. What I, as I said earlier in the beginning is if you take anything away from this, it is that sex in our relationships is important regardless of having children. We still, we need that. We need that connection. We need that bonding, that de-stressor. So make the time, make the effort, put things in place so that you and your partner can enjoy that, that connection with each other. Yeah, guys. So it's been great talking to you today. You can check out the show notes for this episode at atouchaflavor.com forward slash 061 and see the resources we talked about. The Check out the definitely the BuzzFeed ones if you have kids. They're hilarious. The Lisa study is actually super interesting and I think worth reading. So go ahead and check those out. If you guys are by any chance around Providence, Rhode Island this upcoming week, and you feel like going to an event, maybe come out to Tethered together and say hello. We'll be there teaching on making open relationships work. And I think you're teaching on being a female dominant. And I'm teaching rough body play, essentially. Yeah, rough body play is the thing. So, yeah. So uh, stop by if you're going to be around. All right, guys. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. I'm going to see my fucking mermaid. I'm going to see a mermaid. <laughs> I mean, let's see. Uh, I'm Look looking at you all flustered. I'm excited about seeing a mermaid. I'm super happy. But completely in control of yourself and cool about I'm it. I'm very calm. I'm and very calm right now. I'm totally calm. <laughs>